Hello, movie friends. Welcome to There Will Be Movie Reviews. I am your host, Ryan Holmes, and today with me, I have a very, very special guest, probably a better guest than the last guest, who is oh, actually, true. actually related to that person. And yep. today I have the great Nathan Daxon with me. Hello. It's an Nathan. honor to be yeah. on this show. I saw um, some interviews. I saw DiCaprio and Brad Pitt talking up this podcast. <laughs> so I thought, I, had to, I thought I'd have to hop on. Yeah, I know. It's pretty popular now. So I had to get somebody that was pretty popular around this area. And that is a well-known person, a, a yeah. local legend. So I yeah. thought of the first person that came to mind was Nathan Daxon. It was um, inevitable. I'd be on here at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, I Nathan gave me some recommendations for some films and uh, told me about what he uh, was thinking about what we should discuss. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So today, though, we are going to be discussing two films. And these yeah. two films are Good Time and Uncut Gems. Yeah, both of them from the bros. The, the bros. Safety bros. The Safety bros. Yeah. It is. They're two very, very independent films and uh, both on Netflix. You guys got to go check them out if you haven't watched them yet. Um, but yeah, both Robert Pattinson and uh, Adam Sandler in those two roles, the Safety brothers were able to take two actors that, you know, weren't really well known as great actors. Obviously, Robert Pattinson with Twilight wasn't very. Uh, well received and adam sandler with some of his uh obviously in some recent years he hasn't had the greatest uh critical success but maybe not finance field yeah yeah exactly you haven't seen a film like this from adam sandler and definitely not robert pattinson this yeah. is a total different role for each of them but before we begin the discussion of these two films i will be starting off with the movie news so nathan you just uh you know if you hear something and want to speak up and say right. something about the movie news just let me know but yeah so let's begin and so apparently there are now talks for a quiet place sequel after the success of a quiet place 2 and also heard plans of a spinoff right. yeah uh i haven't seen two i don't think we can watch it here yet as far as i know i was uh yeah you know snooping on one two three movies <laughs> to no success but when yeah. i heard they're making a sequel for the first one because i, I like the first one but i was like i don't know does there really need to be a sequel for this the ending for the first one was pretty good too it, yeah it was, it, was, it was a little cliche cheesy but like the film was all all good too i liked it and i didn't think that there needed to be more i don't know are people liking the second one yeah i've heard it's okay, it's well, like it's it has a big success uh critically and financially and yeah it's, it's doing well really i mean well it's right fine now. that they made a second one as long as they didn't mess it up and i guess it sounds like they didn't so yeah so i mean yeah john krasinski's doing well right now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all right, next on the movie news, the Spider-Man trailer still has not been released, and I don't know when this will happen. Tom Holland has teased it, though. He has teased that it will be very, very soon. When are you thinking this is going to happen? When do you think the trailer When it's coming out, is it this Christmas or yeah. next Christmas? This Christmas. This Christmas? Yeah. June right now? It's got to be soon. How how long before marvel movies do they normally drop the trailers okay, also if they got tom they got, always got tom holland doing their little dirty work 
giving little spoilers <laughs> all over the place. So that is it'll, true. Yeah, it'll probably be soon. Well, they had um, they had Eternals about like two weeks ago, and then Shang Chi about yeah. a month ago. So they kind of do it spread it like every two weeks. It seems that kind of pattern, but June. I can see that happening. I I heard I people are good. saying. Yeah, like, within uh, the next two weeks, yeah. I don't know. I saw the Shang-Chi trailer, and I saw the Eternals trailer. And I, I don't yeah. know. The, I don't know if this is, like, the correct term, but, like, the CGI or something looked like... didn't look like a Marvel movie. It looked like a Warner Bros. movie. Like, you know when Warner Bros. made... I think it was Warner Bros. movie. It was someone else. They made those movies, like, in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, they made, like, a Daredevil movie. And like a Ghost Rider <laughs> movie with like Nick Cage. It was and like there was like was. a couple yeah. more. But I think it was it um, looks like one of the trailers made it look like another one of those movies, not a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. They called they know they called those movies like the Punisher movies and Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah. The they Punisher. Called, that was the other one. They called them uh Marvel Knights, like when they that's what the name for them was. So they wouldn't show the Marvel logo, they say Marvel Knights and it'd all be black. And I was just like Oh, like they're making yeah. no money off of this. But yeah, I don't and, like, know. Like the CGI was... was really bad. They kind of picked random people. Like they picked Nick Cage, <laughs> Cage to play Ghost Rider. Like this like hell spawn demon, but it's like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and they also choose. I don't even know who was the Punisher. I heard I John Travolta know. was in it, but I was like, it's not John Travolta. The what Punisher. year is it from? It's from, uh, I think it's in 2007. They made two. They made Punisher, the first one, and then they made Punisher Warzone. Thomas Jane? <laughs> I don't know who that is. 2004. Weird. And then the sequel. Yeah. When was the sequel? When did the sequel come out? Does it say? 2008. I see. Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Eternals Shang-Chi trailer not very impressive but I think they're gonna go all out for Spider-Man with like at least with the rumors so yeah I'll hope yeah already they got Jimmy Fox and uh and um Alfred yeah, they're bringing in the so. big guns yeah totally all right next up on the movie news Wedding Crashes 2 script has been written and completed Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson are in talks to return this is oh, huge <laughs> Yeah, did you watch the first Wedding Crashers? I've seen the first Wedding Crashers multiple times. Yeah, it's a good, it's a great movie. movie. It is a classic, great yeah. comedy. They don't make they don't make comedies like that anymore. So hopefully this will uh, maybe start the trend. Oh no! When was yeah. the last time they kind of made like you saw in the movie theater a goofy movie coming out? I don't know. Well, all all of Adam Sandler movies are now on Netflix, so you don't really see those. They're not in the, the same. They're not the same anymore. And then though. who else? I mean, when the was last, the, maybe Anchorman like the, two? The, the interview, maybe yeah, Anchorman 2, yeah. the interview, like with uh, James Frank or James Franco and Seth Rogen, that was a goofy yeah. one. This is the end, but that was in like 2013. They don't really do that anymore. Yeah. You haven't had like a classic. Uh, it's all, all the movies movie. that come out now are bigger budget, more like action or, or like drama or, or things like that. It's hard to make a comedy and it's hard to make it good. That's the thing. I guess so. Well, there needs yeah. to be, like, a new wave of guys, I guess, because, like, Seth Rogen, like, Adam Sandler, Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, they're all getting old. That's true. Yeah. It's true. All right. Yeah, but um, next up on the movie news, Avengers Campus has just opened. Do you see that? I heard. I heard. That's in California, right? Yeah. You got Spider-Man jumping around. 
Yeah, Black Panther. I saw Black Panther. They got uh, like a they have like a roller coaster. I don't know. They got any rides there? I don't. I think so. Yeah, you can like make your own like shields and stuff, and it's kind of like cool. you know, like at um, I don't know. You've been to Florida a bunch, and uh, I know you've been to Disney quite a few times. But like, have you been to the the Star Wars place in Disneyland? Like, uh, they I, made a newer one in uh, Florida, and I haven't been since they added the newer one. So uh, I'm pretty sure the newer one. They went like all out and they got all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but I yeah. haven't been yet. I'm sure it's cool. Disney yeah. Disney knows their stuff. So they I'm go sure all out. They do go all out. But yeah. All right. Next up on the movie news, Taika Watiti released photos of himself and Chris Hemsworth looking jacked AF. Who's the first guy? Taika Watiti. He directed the Thor Ragnarok. And so did oh, you see those that's photos? Why I don't know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> You I don't know, know if I've seen those particular photos, but I've seen photos of, and like videos of Chris Hemsworth doing some like crazy stuff. Like there's one, like I think maybe last year, a couple of years ago, where he was like flipping this huge tire by himself. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It, it's, it's so funny to see now. He's so, if you watched Avengers Endgame, he's fat in that. Now he's. Was that real yeah. or was he wearing a fat suit? Did he's he wearing like... a fat suit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then he didn't. Uh, he didn't make himself fat. No, he's not that good of an actor. Or me- that method of an. He's actor. Not that dedicated. Yeah, dedicated. Like Marvel Christian movies. Bale. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and yeah, he. There was a set photo, and it was released, and he is more swole than any film I've seen him in. He his arms it's on his Instagram. Side, I look at sides it. Sides of sizes of melons. Yeah, I'm sure it's on some Marvel site or whatever. Let's, let's just out. look at his Instagram. Yeah. Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah, this one where he's in his, his uh, tank top with this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his arms are And huge. that's for the movie, right? Yeah, it is. In Australia. Yeah. I was wondering about that. You were talking about last um, podcast, how they're filming in Australia because there's no COVID there. Yeah. I wonder how many movies are being made now and the setting is changing because they're going to places where they can film freely. I wonder, yeah, that's going to be, well, because now they can probably, yeah, New Zealand's a place to go to. There's, there's a, a, quite a few places, even though I bet you they'll start doing it in England soon because their yeah. COVID rate has gone down a lot. Even U.S., they're going to open up everywhere, but like Sydney, Australia is so easy because it's probably so much cheaper. Maybe yeah. flying out might be expensive, but I'm sure they have film Overall, studios in, in, yeah, it'd be a lot cheaper to get, like, to just, you know, put up a few uh, U.S. flags and just make it look like New York City or L.A. or whatever. Yeah. You go into, like, Sydney, Australia, but yeah, it'd be a lot easier. That's what they yeah. do in Canada. I go up to Toronto and just it's super, taxes are so much cheaper there for like or, um for filming and just uh in booking places to yeah. film but yeah i wonder if they'll realize that that's a lot better and continue doing that even after everything's back to normal yeah if oh, it yeah. works out totally i wonder yeah all right and last this isn't really related to the movies but i just wanted to ask you because it's something big it's entertainment related all right Let's talk about, or let's not talk about this too long, but Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul fight. <laughs> I, I don't know how it's going to go. Like, Logan Paul's lost, right? It's like Jake Paul that's beating everyone up. Yeah. Jake Paul's beating up people that aren't even actually boxers and, like, claiming he's, <laughs> yeah. like, the greatest in the entire world. <laughs> he's, like, so I saw some photos. Logan Paul is six foot two and, like, 220 pounds, whereas Floyd Mayweather 
Junior is like 148 pounds and 40, and he's five foot eight. So there's those a are the guys of, fighting. That's that's his weight. Yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, Floyd Mayweather is 50 and 0, and Logan Paul is 0 and 1. I don't know. I don't know how it'll go. Like. I feel like with those fights, maybe a little controversial, but I feel like there's a little, there's some things going on behind the scenes with those fights, maybe. I totally think that. There was a tie against KSI and Logan Paul. And they can do another one. Yeah. And like the fight against, yeah, the only good thing about those fights is like Pete Davidson when he's uh, like hosting and. Yeah. uh, It's like they should kiss. Yeah. (laughs) And Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, and he's yeah. doing. Well, his... I mean, on paper, Floyd Mayweather should win, mm-hmm. but I mean, if Logan Paul's I... really that much taller and that much bigger, he probably outranges him a lot. I don't know that much about boxing. I'm sure he could do. I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like it is dude. a little bit staged. So if Logan Paul wins, everyone's gonna freak out and start. But everyone's gonna realize that it's fake after that because yeah. if Logan Paul wins, it's just like. Well, Jake Paul beat. Uh... What's that guy, Ben Askren? Yeah. But Ben know. Askren's also, like, he's, like, 45 or whatever. And How like, old's Floyd Mayweather? He's got to be kind of old, yeah, too. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather's, like, in his 40s. But, like, I still – you know, Floyd Mayweather got – uh he got beard plugs. So, he, like – he like really? uh, Yeah, because he couldn't grow why? a beard. I don't know. I don't know why you'd do that. It's, like so, – Intimidation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did almost kiss though if you at the at the I, rally or whatever I didn't watch. yeah all right let's begin by the discussion of good times so i'll start us off by explaining uh it, just who directed it and giving a little bit of the side information so yeah. directed and written by benny and josh josh safty stars robert pattinson benny safty jennifer jason lee buddy duras and, and buddy duras so after botched bank robbery lands his younger brothers in prison connie nikas embarks on a twisted odyssey through new york city's underworld to get his brother nick out of jail all right and so this film was released in 2017 as an a24 independent film how did do you know it's uh, got some bangers they do yeah they've got some classic independent films mid 90s um it's summer yeah yeah midsummer hereditary um yeah. Uh, the Witch, The Lighthouse, I think they're all uh, yeah. all those films, and, and including uh, Good Time and Uncut Gems. So, yeah, yeah this film, the Safety brothers hired uh, real cops for the mall chase scenes. The, the yeah, crew that's, film. they love it. They like yeah. getting real people. They don't like actors. Yeah, they I know. The real thing, both it, it, in both these movies. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I know. Movies, yeah, I know. All, yeah. Guys, um, the guy that played Ray, the Buddy Duris. He's a he's an ex criminal. I, I heard that, yeah. yeah. So yeah, my the girl that plays a uh, crystal, Talia Webster, she's actually a teenage girl in real life. And Robert Pattinson made out with Robert her. Robert Pattinson's actor. Yeah, I know, but still, it's like, yeah, I, I was I, that was a scene where I was just like, nah, that's we'll a talk little. About that more, yeah, but... yeah, but yeah, let's discuss good times. I first like to start off with the character of Robert Pattinson's character and Benny Safdie's character, Nick and Connie. So Connie is obviously based off like a very drug Lord. He's obviously been to jail. He's sketchy. And, but Robert Pattinson plays him. I I think he gives off a great performance. It's a very simple film. He carries. Um, He does. Yeah. This movie right from the beginning when he just enters the room with, uh, where, uh, 
Nick is getting yeah. with his like, psychiatrist. The camera his... zooms in on his face and he's like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck, Nick? Yeah, you know, and he dips and then they, yeah. And I love this. Uh, I, I think a lot of, one of the main reasons I love this film is because they use, um, they, they don't waste time going from scene to scene. They just, you he gets to jail very, very quickly. And it's almost as if yep. it's a montage. And a lot of, I think uh, Benny and Josh Safdie like to, have their films very fast paced and always, yeah. always action and stressful. And I think that's Anxiety, known for that's both. That's a big thing. I think. That's a big thing with their films is and what it's known for. And also their style is very, very uh, noticeable throughout this film. It's very, you can yeah. tell when it's a Ben uh, or Josh Safdie film because it's very, the, the music, first of all, that's a big part of this. Yeah. I noticed. And this one, it's really, I guess, like psychedelic techno yeah kind of music yeah and like even I, I what i loved about um just the beginning is the title uh sequence for good times it yeah. has it, it comes in uh, very very retro in like 80s yeah. prison right that's when it pops up when it shows nick entering prison and stuff or is it or does it show when they're in the elevator after therapy um i think it was I'm not sure. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the elevator after therapy. The elevator, and then it's he's slowly, like, I love you, Nick. Yeah, and then it slowly uh, has, like, um, the cast and crew that go placed throughout just yeah. the bank robbery. And that's kind of the first, the first say, 15 minutes is just them. Uh, um, a big setup for the yeah, rest Yeah, a big of setup movie. for the rest of the film of how um, Robert Pattinson's character is going to try and get uh, Nick out of prison and it's a very simple plot it's very very easy to understand first of all and that's the thing that I yeah. think people will enjoy more about this film but um, I noticed yeah it's it's very very dark and just follows along Robert Pattinson throughout this uh, film and, and you notice Robert Pattinson went full like beast mode for this movie too he, yeah. he, he locked himself in, yeah method acting for this and it's, it was a surprise for me uh, hearing about that from, from Robert Pattinson because he doesn't seem like the type of actor to no. do that. Obviously, coming off of Twilight and some like rom coms, yeah. well, he's, he's basically just like a heartthrob guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, he didn't really. I think the scripts that he had before weren't really. Um, you yeah. know, he was better that he had better acting abilities. He probably yeah. is, Twilight was one of his first roles, so he obviously any actor who gets a role, they'll go to it. No matter if it's good or bad, they just yeah. want to work. I think you got to Whereas... credit the Safdie brothers too. Like in this movie and Uncut Gems, they both kind of pick someone who's not really going in the direction you would think someone would be going to get into a Safdie brothers movie. Mm -hmm. And they get them to do it really well. Yeah. And, and I learned a lot about good times and how it's so, it was so low budget and so independent that, uh, even Benny Safdie uh, plays Nick. He's the director. Yeah. He's, um, I'm not sure if he wrote it to, oh yeah, he wrote it. Yeah. And yeah. they wrote it. And then he was also the editor and the sound editor for this film. And so it just shows that like just one person can like create a great film and, yep. and they're using, and they're on the streets when they, they don't have enough time to, you know, close down buildings and, and hospitals and, and streets. So they just filmed, in public and had yeah, actual the cops mall, following the mall yeah. chase yeah the real and, cops in a real mall during the day no one was an actor in that and, in that and yeah and that was a scene I, I enjoyed from this film too i liked the uh i, I like the scene the cop chase scene and and i i enjoyed that too i thought that was pretty um 
I thought that was that was a very intense. It felt real and um yeah, I think um Ben Safty plays Nick really well. I feel like it it'd be difficult to play someone that's mentally handicapped as well as he did, especially from someone who's not even an actor. The th- yeah, I I think he did it really well. I I that role to me seemed like a he was kind of just looked he looked up to um he looked up to Connie like a lot. You can yeah. see how he he looks at him as as an idol, and Connie's the only person that takes care of him. But at the same time, he's Connie is still a bad person. You know, he lies to yeah. um, uh, the his girlfriend, I guess, at the beginning, saying that like, oh, um, he got in a fight with the psychiatrist. I need ten thousand yeah. dollars to get him out, even though that's not even the real reason. So he lies just to make it seem as though he's not bad, and and he he does put. He, but he also, at the same time, it's a love-hate relationship with Connie because he puts uh, him through so much trouble and, and stress. Yeah. He puts Nick through much, so much stress by doing that. And um, But, yeah, and, and there's that – you, you kind of have to choose if you are for him trying to get him out or against him because yeah, all well, he does when they're together, he just causes him almost pain. You know, he's puking and then he's, he's, he's he goes to jail. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, the main kind of discussion for this movie. Like you said before, the plot is pretty simple and straightforward. I think the main discussion they want you to get out of this movie is more like the character of Connie and about his morals. And there's kind of some questions that I think pop up. Like, is is does he really have good intentions? Because on the surface, do you think, you know, he's trying to get his brother to jail? At the start, it seems like he really cares. But as the movie progresses, does he... Re- does he really want to get Nick out of jail for the reason that most people would? Or is he, is there another intention that's maybe worse? Like, is he really a good person or not? Does he really love his brother or not? There's a lot of questions to be asked about him rather than about the whole plot. Like, there's less symbolism and things in the plot and more with the characters. With the characters, yeah. Because, yeah, there's a big, it's hard to, because you start beginning to almost forget about Nick. Don't you like? Yeah, well, like, he's in the beginning and he's in the end. He he's uh, that's but really you, you you forget the the idea that he's all, what he's trying to do now is just get Nick out of jail. And at this point, it's almost he begins to just goes off be, the rails a little. He goes off distracted. the rails, but he gets distracted of himself, and and he's not even trying to get. He's just trying to stay out of himself getting in prison too, obviously. But that. He, I think he does have good intentions for his brother, but he, no matter what, if he's with them or trying to help him, it just ends up him getting in more and more trouble. And uh, I think you can kind of see that throughout the the film too. And it, it's very, very stress inducing too, because there's a lot of times where you, you don't know yeah. if uh, he's, there's like the, the scene where he grabs the wrong, the wrong person and he grabs some other random kid. Yeah. So, and that makes you think, like, maybe he's, uh, yeah, there's, there's something going on with Connie in his head, too. And he's obviously um, had some issues just as much as uh, Nick has at yeah. the same time. Um, yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but um, Benny and Josh Safty for Robert Panson, they wrote an entire life story for Connie and gave it to Robert yeah. Panson. It apparently was incredibly detailed and went all the way from his birth to the moment the movie started. So Robert Pattinson had a whole, like, character that he could go off of. So sometimes when you see, like, there's scenes where it looks like Connie's thinking about something, he really has something that he can draw from, like, a memory that the character has that the audience wouldn't know. I think that's good 
it, it's got to be so easy for Robert, Robert Pattinson to act after that then because yeah. it's, it's probably right after that he's got almost nothing to worry about he knows whose character is and that's I think it makes it easier for him to become that character and that's you know and then he added on to the idea that I can make this even better by going full method on this on this role yeah. and that's why he decides to you know lock himself in uh in a house of isolation and not let anyone visit him and you know he's he talks even... he's british and he talked in a new york accent that was a like good accent home. it was it was a, it was surprisingly good yeah I, I think um i've heard some i've heard some sh- shitty uh like accents of american accents i've heard yeah. you've seen have you seen horrible bosses yeah yeah <laughs> colin farrell who plays the cokehead uh son from yeah that, his accent i you can kind of hear his uh scottish accent a little bit i noticed in that but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's good that uh he was able to do that and, and as you're saying along the lines of the idea that does he have really good intentions for his brother it, it's hard to say what do you think like do you think he does have good intentions do you think it's really focused I've, on him i've got a lot about this ryan i've thought about this all right, right? I, I don't think uh at the end of the day, I think in a way he likes his brother, but not for the way that we would originally think. So um, I think Connie kind of sees Nick as an extension of himself. But the problem with that is that Connie's also very, I guess, narcissistic. Like he's really about himself. So yeah. even at the beginning, you can kind of see how um, he wants Nick to be a lot more like him. I- when they're walking out of therapy, um, when Nick pulls him out, they walk past another handicapped person and Connie goes, is this really what you think you are? Like, you think you're like these people when really, you know, he is, that's why he's there. Even Connie pulling him out of therapy and constantly talking about how the therapy's bad and wrong could kind of be like, well, I don't need it. So why would my, why would my brother need it? Yeah. And everything he does for Nick is just kind of like, well, I want, I want him to be more like me. Like he's more like me. And he's, there's one scene close to the end when he's talking to Ray, the prisoner that he, that he broke out. Yeah. And he, Ray says something like, yeah, I mean, you are really similar. And Connie goes, no, I'm nothing like you. Like you're trash. You're nothing like he, he, so there can also be, I guess, some comparisons drawn between Nick and Ray. Yeah. As they're both manipulated a lot by, Connie like he gets Nick to rob the bank with him he gets Ray to do all this stuff from to try and get the money he gets his drugs from that amusement park and do you think that's a part of him being you think it's like Robert Pattinson's character or uh, yeah Connie just has he's you think he's very very um self-absorbed yeah and confident and he's he's so confident that he thinks he's better than everyone and he do you think he wants Ray or um, Nick to be almost as a, as a servant to them or um, a yeah. character that's that he wants them to look up to uh, himself. He wants Connie, he wants Nick yeah. and Ray to look up to him, but in, in a way that is harm harmful to Ray and uh, Nick, but yeah, he doesn't realize right. it. Yeah. So he still has good intentions, but yeah, you can continue like you were saying. Um, and I think that's what that's, what the ending scene was trying to be really impactful when Ray falls off the building and dies. Yeah. I think there's more of a meaning to that. Um, in the fact that 
I think that's kind of showing what would happen to Nick if he kept hanging out with Connie and Connie kept dragging him around, make him do stuff. Like eventually something really bad would happen to him. Oh yeah. That that's, that's, I, I was thinking that too. I was thinking, well, I was thinking similarly, I was thinking that Ray is almost a mirror of Nick in what would have happened. It, 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 I think Robert Pattinson's character realizes that after though, I think he, when he's in the, it's hard to say because I think when he's the in car the car scene at the end, yeah, when he's in the back of the police car, he realizes that, yeah, um, you know, you think at the same time he's realized, you know, I'm actually not like these people either. I don't want them. Uh, it's hard to say because, like, there, well, I think so, there's, there's a so couple much, things. Yeah, since it's co- a completely silent scene, and it's only. I guess Robert Pattinson's doing really good acting just with his facial expressions. Um, There are a couple things you can interpret from that scene. One of them being that maybe it's a realization that what he's doing is wrong. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's, he kind of looks up at the start and then he looks down through the movie. He's really good at improvising, like coming up with something on the fly, a plan. Cause as all these like situations keep being thrown at him that he's not really planning for, he has to keep finding a way to get himself out of it. And he's, he does mostly well. Um, I don't know. What's a good example. Like when the, the bank die explodes and they got to escape, he runs into a bathroom. He tries to use Nick's um, disability to his advantage when they go that Domino's bathroom to hold people off. Yeah. Um, And just things like that. He keeps, he has to keep improvising. He lies to his his girlfriend about why Nick is in jail. That was kind of quick. He has to lie to the lady whose house he stays at. Like, he has to keep lying on the fly. So maybe in that cop car at the end, he's thinking, is there a way I can get myself out of this? And then realizing no. Yeah. Or another thought I had, the whole movie, he, he keeps, he's almost putting himself in these situations. Maybe he could be considered something like an adrenaline junkie that kind of enjoys being being hunted and constantly having to be on the move and, and being in these dangerous situations and maybe he's kind of, maybe this is something he kind of wanted to finally lose in this game of like cat and mouse being chased around and he, he's kind of taking in the the moment of finally being caught that's i think yeah that i think he that's like yeah it's almost like a game of cat and mouse or mouse or it's a race for him too it's like a it's almost a race from start to finish at this because it feels like a race too. It feels yeah. like he's being followed by the cops the constant the, constantly, and he's almost satisfied with what's happened because now I guess in a way he's he's finished with what he what he started with. He, he's finally caught. He, he doesn't have to worry about any other characters really harming him. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about Ray. He doesn't have to worry about uh, he doesn't have to worry about the other dude too. That was uh, that Ray brought with him he doesn't have to worry about the girl he's left everyone alone he he's he's finally safe from everything in a way because if you think about it now he doesn't have to worry constantly keep running and running and running now he's just done and maybe in a way he enjoys being at jail too like maybe uh yeah yeah back to i guess if he really loves his brother or not at the end he does um it's like said that he does vouch for nick to get him out of jail and that's why he's not there at the end he's at that program too which can also i guess be an argument for that the fact that he does at the end love his brother still and wants the best for him yeah oh deep 
It is deep. It, it is There's deep. a lot of shit going on in this movie. I think more with the characters. Um, it, it obviously is a, it's a character piece because I think it's so much easier to do character pieces in this short amount of time, too. This film's only about an hour and 40 minutes long so yeah. you it's you know you it's very very fast paced it feel it goes by very very quickly um so and that's what's great about this film too the style is right there i think it, it a, the safety brothers did a great job um with the style the, the sound design is really good in this movie yeah uh, just with the music playing the whole time and then at the very end the scene when um when Nick finally goes to the program, he needs to get the help. He he's kind of been deprived from the whole time, um, probably because of Connie constantly pulling him out and trying to get in his head and tell him he doesn't need it. Um, the music changes from this like kind of intense music. I think it's an original song, actually. It's like a dude singing and playing the guitar. Iggy, Iggy Pop, yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, it's um, more of like this like beautiful slower song than something really intense and maybe that's kind of nick being freed from his brother holding him down yeah and i noticed how um it's also yeah yeah exact that's the exact same thing i thought is how he's yeah he is finally free and he doesn't have to worry about um connie bothering him connie constantly coming into his life and, and he admits to it too he doesn't have to he doesn't have to kind of deny the fact that he his brother is doing doing him harm and he's constantly putting him through pain and i, I also noticed that connie kind of makes the excuse of how his grandmother is like a, is kind of the reason for a lot of yeah. their pain too and maybe he uses that as a way to kind of overshadow himself who is constantly putting this pain on to uh nick too uh you see the grandma grandmother once i think i don't know if it was in like a She's at the end with yeah. him, and she's on the news at one point. I don't know if you heard this, because there's other stuff going on in the scene. But if you listen to the TV when they're watching the news, um, they actually say, you know how at the beginning Nick is upset as he's trying to tell the therapist about some situation that happened with, with the grandma? Yeah. Well, if you listen on the news, you hear the real story, and the grandma actually got a restraining order against Connie because Connie... Um, got Nick all fired up when arguing with the grandma and caused Nick to, to break yeah. the grandma's arm. And yeah, it's like Connie and Connie constantly takes advantage of him too, in that sort of sense. And Connie is also every time he gets himself into trouble, he gets anybody else's life into trouble. And it, it yeah. goes to show every person he's with. So Nick, he gets, he gets him hurt. Ray, Ray kills himself. The um, the security guard at the uh, amusement park. He is now he has to go to jail because everyone thinks that he broke in. Yeah. Even and, the girl. And too the girl. Is, she's um, she's taken in jail by the too. police at the end. Exactly. So everybody he's with kind of represents that. Whenever he's around somebody, he causes this. Uh, he causes um, you know bad things to happen to people, and he causes pain and, and suffering for a lot of people. Um, it, it, it varies the amount of pain, obviously for the, the girl that he, um, that he goes to the house and she drives him around and goes to White Castle with, she isn't as bad. She's probably going to jail or, or maybe not jail, but she's probably getting arrested for in like, uh, 
yeah yeah sentence for something yeah it all depends but obviously it goes to show that each character that he's around is just constantly in harm and but yeah it's kind of it's kind of hard to notice too because it's so fast-paced so you don't get the time to react properly so it's always something that you have to think about after uh film but yeah i got one more thing to ask you and then maybe we can do like trivia or something sure um there's one I, i was trying to think about it and i don't really I couldn't really find exactly think about exactly what it meant, but there's a scene where um, Connie and the girl, I think her name's her name's Crystal, are sitting on the couch like watching cops or something, and kind of unprompted, he goes, um, "Oh, I, I thought I w- I know for sure that I was a dog in my past life." Yeah. I don't really. What do you think that means? Like, I, I'm not really sure <laughs> if it even has a deeper meaning or if he's just kind of bullshitting to eventually, you know, just try and manipulate her into More. like hooking up or something yeah. like that i don't know that's i thought about that because i thought that had some kind of meaning too and he also i constantly i hear like him saying stuff like you know i have a purpose and like i have a purpose for yeah. this reason yeah he and goes like talking, oh this night is like it's really for my purpose like it, it really means something to me yeah I don't know. He enjoys that adrenaline rush. I think that's part of him just enjoying that that rush of life. And he enjoys that feeling of just, you know, constantly having to run around and it's adrenaline. Uh, you know, the stakes are high and he's able to get out of pretty much every situation. And I think he loves that about himself. But the dog scene, I don't know. It, it, maybe there's maybe a representation. Loyalty. Yeah. There's just also the idea that, yeah, there's also the idea that dogs are like, you know, they're constantly, uh, I don't know, running away. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, maybe. something like that. But like, they're always they're they're quick and they're, uh, you know, people love dogs, but they are also violent to, towards people too. And maybe, maybe that's an idea that you know his girlfriend loves him and she'll always help him, even though he's she puts him in a lot of harm too. She takes all trying to take all his money, and then that one girl falls in love with him, but he just uses her to his advantage. Just uh, and then she gets in trouble. And then same with the Ray character. He says, like, he'll help him out and he'll try and get, he'll release him. He dry, he helps him, like, he, he lets him come in his car and, like, drive away with him. Yeah. But obviously at the end. But who knows? It, it's, it's for a deeper discussion. I'll have to look it up, too. I'm going to, I'll probably look it up after and understand what yeah. that uh, dog might, that, like, idea of him saying, I, like, uh, I was a dog in my past life meant. But, yeah. But, um. Let's do some trivia, some fun facts. So the scene where Connie enters uh, the hospital was shot in an active emergency room with real patients. That's kind of... I didn't know that. I knew the mall scene was real. I didn't know that that was real too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Robert Pattinson's performance in this film is reportedly what brought Matt Reeves to consider him for the title role in The Batman. You hear that? I did hear that. Yeah. The upcoming one, right? It's not out yet. Yeah, yeah. The one coming out in 2022. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the film was in competition for the Keynes Film Festival 2017 and received a six minute long standing ovation after its premiere. Deserved. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Josh Safdie got arrested during filming for driving with a suspended license in a shady car. Peter Verby, the actor who plays the psychiatrist in the film, is actually a criminal defense lawyer and represented Josh Safdie after shooting huh. Raft. He also represented actor Buddy Duris in the past who rele- who got released from prison just weeks before filming started. Yeah, so that's Ray. 
this is like it's almost ridiculous. They get like, people that are like in the exact situation that their character is. But yeah, like literally, uh, Buddy Duris Ray was just out of prison. He just got out of prison and <laughs> in the film, and now he's in real life. He got just got out of prison, yeah. and now he started filming. And then the psychiatrist, it was an actual psychiatrist, psychiatrist, and then uh josh safty got arrested during filming for uh driving with a suspended license that could even be like in a shady car that could be said because like they're driving with a stolen yeah. car basically they're using somebody else's car um yeah. and then director uh benny safty yeah plays nick nick's brother uh he also served as an editor and sound technician as i said before um what else is there i got one all um, right a lot of these movies, um, both Uncut Gems and Good Time, got rewritten like a million times um, by the Safdie brothers. And originally, this movie was going to be a comedy uh, about uh. Connie and Ray meeting each other in an acting class and then deciding to rob a bank. And uh. Nick wasn't going to be in this one. He was Nick was actually originally planned to be a character in Uncut yeah. Gems. Uh, in yeah, one I knew that too. So perfect. Yeah, that's a segue, I think, into the film Uncut Gems. So... Let's begin by talking about the facts of this film. So, written by Ronald uh, Bronstein, Josh Safdie, and Benny Safdie, um, and then directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. Stars Adam Sandler, uh, Dina Menzel, Julia Fox, Keith Stanfield, Kevin Garnett, and Judd Hirsch. Uh, with his debt, debts mounting and angry collectors closing in, in a fast-talking New York City jeweler risks everything in hope of staying afloat and alive. This film was released in 2019, released on Netflix, and is an A24 film. So, this, yeah, this film was inspired by the Safdie brothers' father's time working as a salesman runner for uh, a man also named Howard in the Manhattan, Di Manhattan Diamond District. The Safdie brothers and their father are also Jewish and, avid and are avid basketball fans. The Safdie brothers wanted to make a film since 2009 prior to Good Times, but couldn't get the project off the ground due to lack of financing during that period. Robert Pattinson contacted the brothers via email and said he was interested to work with them. And he randomly discovered the poster for another film of an actress, Ariel Holmes, covered in pink neon lights from the previous film, Heaven Knows What, uh, on the internet. After they met with Pattinson liking uh, and being inspired by his energy, the Safdie brothers spontaneously started to write Good Times. Uh, and then after this film's premiere in, in Keynes and the following critical success, the brothers found themselves getting calls from Hollywood executives with offers, including a big budget superhero movie, which they declined and instead secured financing for uncut gems. And that's how it began. Wild ride. Yeah. Wild road. Uncut gems. It is. Yeah. This so was, this was the main movie that they had intentions on writing from the start. Yeah. And now with the success of everything else, they could finally do it. Yeah, I have a little, this is a little controversial, and this could be a fun discussion, because I actually do not like Uncut Gems, I'm gonna be honest. I've heard that from other people, too. I, you're but not the first like person it? that's told me this, yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, one of my friends doesn't like it either. Who, who's that? Is that like Sawyer. Patrick Sawyer? Yeah, I'm not a fan of this film, and maybe that's because I'm not a fan of Adam Sandler. I noticed that- You don't like Adam Sandler? I'm- it's it's hard to say. He's he's a love hate. Cause I Happy Gilmore is pretty good, but even Billy Madison for me, it's just like wow. he's always like 
hilarious. <laughs> no, it, it's overused. I, I and his act, his performance in this film isn't even that good. I, be careful. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. I think Adam I don't Sandler think, went crazy for this one. I don't think it's that good because the entire time I'm just seeing Adam Sandler as himself from like some from like just go with it or grown-ups and just as a jeweler and i see all he does is yell in this entire film and and yell at everyone else and for some reason people go crazy for adam sandler in this but i don't I know. like him i disagree with you on this one ryan i <sighs> like him <laughs> why do you like him why do you <sighs> no i just I, I like how he does in this movie he, he has a really good job from switching from you know billy madison to <laughs> howard ratner the shady jeweler man i guess yeah it's like but the thing is uh, he was obviously i think just people are get overhyped for it and believe that it's going to be good because oh my god adam sandler's in a serious film and like anytime he's been in a few serious films and everyone praises him for it and they constantly go oh my god adam sandler's a great actor actually he's been in like three serious films and he's been in three dramas and they're crazy he was in um punch drunk love he got and you know everyone loved him then rain for me i think or rain on me I'm, rain, rain over me. me yeah rain over me yeah he was in that and then um i guess spanglish is kind of a kind uh, of a it's like i don't com- know if it's quite on on the same yeah yeah spectrum it's like, it's like comedy good or um but i think he's i think one of his best performances was probably uh funny people have you seen that i have yeah yeah i think that's one of his best performances um, but this is definitely not it because it just seems so forced and it, you could tell there is a lot of, di- like, there was a lot of control from the directors. And I feel like the directors had a big role on like how he would act and Adam Sandler, whereas Robert Pattinson, you know, his character is completely, you know, him, he, I feel like he got a lot of control and, um, freedom to, yeah. uh, it's kind of, I guess, unlike character. how the other Safety brother projects go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know because the idea of the film and the concept, I feel it could have been so much better. I, I think it could have had so much potential. I feel they could have romanticized the diamond business in the, in the, the jewels and Ruby business a lot more. And I feel that they could have, um, looked at as at as it as if it was an art form in a way and they could have done that and made it in you know um executed that um in a way instead of making it so you know that this is just a small part of the film to me i feel uh of it being surrounding around the the jewels and and the rubies and and the and the gems but i don't think yeah i guess it was more focused on like the the gambling and crime aspect more than the than the industry aspect, yeah. I think. And I think I would have liked that a little bit better because I films do that. It, it's very easy, I think, to do something like that and just like show how, how interesting the uh, how and how much maybe say Adam Sandler loves working in jewelry and his obsession with it too. But instead, I think well, that's, yeah, that's what I thought the film would have been about yeah. too. They could have made a whole movie almost completely taking out the the debt, I guess, aspect and making it just more about someone who has to deal with um, like famous people and stuff making jewels for them and things like that. Yeah, and like, and that's what I thought the film was going to be about going into it, and I had no idea that it was going to be uh, this type of 
I, I had no idea it was going to be so a lot of crime and um uh, it's like mafia dudes basically yeah. that are the thing is intimidating yeah. howard the whole movie yeah that's the thing about the that's the thing about that which i don't like is how they constantly you know no mob dealer just like is always just like you got all right i need that money soon and then like throw him in, in naked in a in a car that door. guy was good though keith william richards played phil and that guy's good at playing a guy that uh you don't that i wouldn't want to mess with i think yeah <laughs> that's it but like he should have just killed him from the beginning until at the end spoiler alert yeah, that would have made sense more. Like, because he's not getting the money, he's not getting the thing. But I understand. Well, I think it's because here. he was being held back by Arno, the guy that hired him. Because, I mean, it's revealed later in the movie, kind of as a little twist that they're family. Yeah. So he doesn't. If it was someone else, he could have been like, okay, you can use more drastic measures. But since it was family, he had that little soft spot still, even yeah. though he was he's kind of fed up with Howard for not giving him. He owes him a hundred k. Yeah. He, He's he's fed up, but he's there's still a part of him I think that's like okay he's still family. Another reason I don't like this film is because it also it's it's too similar to Good Time I think, and they use that uh, they use that aspect of fast paced a lot, and I think they the Safdie brothers thought this film was a lot better than it actually would be it was too, and I think they. Uh, played on that because they think it's so cool you know i got adam sandler being a jeweler and I, yeah. but it's really Kevin not Kevin garnett in the weekend yeah garnett i know <laughs> yeah and and the performance is julia fox i don't think she was a good uh uh playing adam sandler's uh yeah. love interest his mistress yeah his mistress i wasn't i don't think she's her. an actor either again in this movie she isn't, the, yeah the safty brothers hired people that are more have lived in the role that they're going to play. There's a couple more, um, like Dina Menzel played like Elsa in Frozen. Yeah, and she's an actor. I know she's. There's a couple actor. more, but for the most part, again, it's mostly non-actors that are in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Garnett does pretty well, considering you know he's just an NBA player. He's I thought he was an actor. I, yeah, I did, and I thought he was an actor too. Oh, they got the real guy. They did. Yeah, it was cool. I, it, there was one thing I thought it was interesting is that they used they said it in 2012, which is hilarious. I don't know why they well, chose that. Year, they but... they chose that because they were going to choose it depending on which basketball player they get. There were a couple other basketball players um, that they tried to get. I forget his name. Some dude from the Knicks because they like the Knicks. Yeah. Um, Kevin Garnett, and then it was even planned to be set in modern day. And I don't know how much he fell basketball, but Joel Embiid was supposed to be the guy who's currently in the NBA playing for the 76ers. Uh, no, I don't know him. Uh, so he was going to be yeah. cast and it was going to be set in present day. Also, uh, Kobe, they were asking too, because he at the time was kind of dabbling in film. He actually won uh, an, Oscar, an yeah. Oscar for a short film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. But, yeah. yeah, they land on Kevin Garnett, and also it kind of fits well how at that time he had a good run in the playoffs with the Celtics. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of worked out for the movie. I did like, or um, yeah, because when I saw it, I was like, why is Adam Sandler using like such an old phone? Like, why is his why yeah. is his phone look so 2012? Kind of, yeah, and I was like, oh yeah. yeah. Also, but, I think it's good because in that movie, Kevin Garnett's kind of an asshole. Like he's getting fed up all the time. He. He kind of steals the the opal for a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
and in real life when he was playing basketball he was known for kind of being a menace on uh on the basketball court yeah. and like saying controversial things and he, he's a really good trash talker so i think it's also good that they land him for the role because he really fits what he has to do in this movie there there's a lot of similar yeah there, there's a lot of similarities though between good time and uncut gems yeah i think uncut gems cranks up the anxiety inducing parts more i think in this movie there's a lot of people talking at once and it's just like um from like the business standpoint like he's always trying to sell someone something and like things keep going wrong and they're like oh, i'm just gonna leave right now and it, it just gets really stressful same with the the mafia dudes always being on his back i think it gets cranked up a little more for this movie but yeah the music in this movie um, I noticed was not as nerve-wracking. I think this movie, the music was a little more, I don't know, like whimsical, I guess I would say. Like, it's more like, oh, 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 <laughs> rather than like, bow, 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 bow. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. less like techno-y and like bass and like deep. It's more like higher-pitched, I guess. Like, yeah. mystical sounding. I noticed that. I also, the thing about this film is the pacing is a lot different too. It's obviously still yeah. super fast paced. The first half an hour uh, of the film is it goes by super quickly because it's just him running around, selling people stuff. Yeah, uh, he's Kevin like pawning things off, making bets. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot, and that's where I think it gets a little bit um, tough for me to enjoy and understand um, is because there's a, so much going back and forth and there's a, an Adam Sandler's talking to so many people at once and the pacing is so quickly, then it slows down, then it goes uh, up and, and it doesn't have a constant uh, theme and just pace that is just, it feels comfortable and makes the audience feel comfortable and make me feel comfortable. And, and I just felt that it was hard to, uh, catch up and that's a part of films though too there's a lot you know it's hard to understand at times and that was with good time but it was a much simpler plot i think but yeah there's a lot more a lot more intricate things going on in this yeah. movie i especially noticed it when i was trying to like take notes for it and i was like oh shit there, there's like a lot more going on right now exactly yeah and but and also whereas good times has a kind of hidden meaning or a a um symbolism with the characters and how Connie represents and how Nick represents, um, you know, that constant uh, feeling of, you know, your Nick feels that he has to always be, um, how he always has to like look up to Connie and how he always has to do whatever he says, but then he finally feels a release. And that's kind of the hidden, uh, you know, satisfaction that you feel at the end of good times. But for me, this film didn't have a satisfaction and maybe you can like uh see like that set you know when you whenever you watch a film there's a satisfaction that you feel at the end of the movie that uh, or like a even though maybe it's not a good ending you feel complete or you feel whole yeah and, well and i think the end of this movie but, hit hard the, the first time i watched it before when it's just like showing adam sandler like dead on the ground i was like holy shit whereas the ending of good time it's still i don't know if it's really a good ending but it's more like I guess like melancholy, like kind of like a, a beautiful sadness almost. I well, guess it's, it's satisfying. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's how I felt at the end of yeah. the time. It was like, you whereas just, this one, it's yeah. like, oh, oh, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I think um, the difference is with Good Time, it was more messages and symbols in the characters. I think 
in this one, it's more with the plot. And there's a big theme of, like, chance and randomness and, like, entropy versus things that are controlled. So a lot of the times, Howard, Adam Sandler's character, is constantly, like, things are kind of happening to him randomly. He's a, he's a gambling man. But whenever he can, he, he tries to take control of it. And that eventually leads to his downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like when the movie first starts and it's showing that scene of like the gem, like inside the gem and it almost looks like space and like it's all mystical and whatever kind of it the theme kind of starts off right there like it shows like when you think of the universe and space it's like all kind of chaos and randomness like how everything came to be and it's infinite and it goes on forever and there's like uh all these possibilities and yeah. Also, even more just kind of cut and dry for the symbolism, the opal itself, like the title is an uncut gem. Yeah. And kind of shows that the reason people are so fascinated by it and Kevin Garnett's so fascinated by it is that it's not, it hasn't like everything else in the jewelry shop that's been really refined and made to perfection. This is like raw and it was created by the universe on, on its own. And that's why everyone so seems to be so fixated by this because in a world where everything is very controlled this kind of has a sense of of that chaos and randomness that some people need in their life it's also yeah it's the idea of how yeah it is it the the opal is also a mystery too to people too um it's something that obviously as you said it's never been seen before it's not really um been shown um people don't really uh have uh, yeah people have never really seen this type of thing before and as you know uncut gems are much more expensive than cut gems (laughs) um and so i think that's another idea that why people are so fixated on um the gem too and or on the on the opal and why it's so interesting too it's also it kind of represents it's wherever it goes chaos happens too if you know that's another idea of what the the opal represents it's it is always whenever it's around somebody and whenever it's around adam sandler obviously it just it causes him a lot of uh, pain and anxiety and, and sadness and, yeah um, well and, yeah he, he even has a breakdown at the one part in the movie when everything he he completely loses his control and everything's going on like wrong for him and he, he like breaks down to uh to julia in, yeah. in his office when he's all beat up and upset yeah and it's yeah there's some very there are some intense scenes and yeah. that's another thing that i think it gets me like all right just it needs to relax for like two seconds and then it <laughs> yeah, takes it does not relax i don't think yeah and so it's just like god um and and i did notice there are some scenes that are just uh at, at points useless and like uh there's time like um the scene at the where they're at the play it's just like that's where it was like i was just waiting for like something to happen then that was kind it of went on la- a little too long before yeah. you know because the main i guess the main part of that scene was when the mafia guys are like there yeah. and they like shake them up or whatever it's all it is very um plot heavy so it, it, it's a very yeah. um you know it's a very story driven film uh whereas good time is much more character driven and and story driven too it's it's both but this film a lot more 
story driven. I felt it's hard at times. It's hard to really uh, recognize Adam Sandler's character in his yeah, performance. It's a lot more because, vague. And yeah, so it's it's when you're watching this film, you sort of feel yeah. So because it, it's so fast paced and it's so uh, story driven that it's hard to recognize. Yeah. It, um, his character and just look at his character and see maybe the yeah. performance that Adam Sandler's giving and if it's good or not, but yeah, you, well, you like the, it though. Yeah. Yeah. With the Safety brother movies with good time and uncut gems, you kind of start the movie out of the loop. Like thing things have already happened to the characters. Things are already going on. And as the movie progresses, you, you kind of get clued in as to what's going on and more yeah. revealed to you. But I guess the issue with Uncut Gems is that it's it's less focused on Howard, like Adam Sandler. So you you don't feel as much, I guess, when he when he dies at the end because you haven't you've more learned about his situation rather like more than you've learned about him yeah. at the end. Whereas yeah. in Good Time, you, you're again with both movies, you kind of start out of the loop, not really know what's going on when things have already happened but you spend the whole movie learning about Connie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? To I guess at the end, uh, with Chance versus Control, it's kind of Howard's downfall. He, um, right after he has you know his breakdown with his girlfriend, again, by chance, Kevin Garnett gives him another offer again. He finally gets rid of it, takes control of the situation, but he's a dummy and gambles it all away. Yeah. Um, and then... By chance, when the mafia dudes are leaving to go catch his girlfriend, the the door breaks and he gets to lock them in and takes full control, and yeah. he, he he wins the bet and it's all amazing. But that's his downfall. He he has control while they're locked in there, but he lets that go to go to his head and he goes, "I'm still I have control over these guys now. Like they can't do anything." And he lets them back in. The guy the guy shoots him in the face. <laughs> I, I was so it was kind that. of his downfall. There were there were predict predictable scenes too. It was there's yeah. at times it was pretty predictable. I I felt. Did you think he was gonna die, or what were you thinking? When? I don't remember. The first time I watched it was like pretty close to when it came out a while ago. I I kind of figured something was gonna go down. I don't know if it was exactly that he would die, but I was still like, whoa! Like when the movie first finished. Have you seen um The Departed? I haven't. Oh okay. Well, I, I won't spoil it for you because there's a similar the scene. The guy died in the end. <laughs> Maybe, but <laughs> damn, I, I kind of did spoil it for you in a way, but my bad. Um, yeah, I, I very much recommend that film. That's one of my favorites. Um, it's very also stress-induced and fast-paced, but uh, it's like Matt Damon, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Alec Baldwin, Jack Nicholson, big Martin boys. Sheen, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's a, it's a big movie. You got to watch that. Um, but it's also set in Boston too, so they they all got those dope Boston accents, and it's cool. Wicked pissa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good, but um, yeah. Want to do some facts for uncut gems? Sure. All right. Got a good one. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. The dude that plays his name's uh, Yussi or Yussi in, in the movie. He plays the dude um, in Adam Sandler's office when he gets the gem that's all frustrated he's like i can't fucking work here anymore there's other people that want to work with me and he like quits mm -hmm. um he's kind of a minor character in the movie but he's a jeweler in real life and he kind of experienced something similar to what happens in the movie he lent a twenty-five thousand dollar bracelet to the rapper six nine huh? and and six nine did not return the bracelet 
So he uh, was at like twenty five thousand, kind of like how um, Kevin Garnett leaves with the the opal without paying for it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, the Safdie brothers were so insistent on shooting on thirty five millimeter film that they actually took a pay cut. Wow. I don't. Yeah. It's they hard to hard. know the this distance. Is their vision. They yeah. had to go for it. Yeah. Do you notice like when you know it's fifty millimeter or forty four millimeter, thirty five? Not really. I'm not. I'm not you that get, technical into movies. It's yeah. If you looked at it from a, a different standpoint, if you compare the two, you will notice a difference and notice how much better it is. It it it's kind of it's um. I forget how it is to explain it, but I, I won't explain it now. But it's it's you you can tell the difference if you compare the two. It, it's it's good, but. Adam Sandler's wife convinced him to take on the role after reading the screenplay and watching Good Time. You know that? Yeah. I think it was worth it. Yeah. Um, the house used for the exterior of Howard Ratner's uh, home in the same, in, is the same house and used as Freddie Mercury's home in Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and also, Adam Sandler's first live-action role in a theatrical film since Pixels. All of his other live action that, roles went that's straight pretty good to Netflix. Yeah, yeah. From from Adam, um, do you know that the actors were not aware that Kevin Garnett would break the glass table? They really didn't tell them that. Uh, and oh, I their, yeah. to make their reactions more genuine. I did. Yeah. Also, before Adam Sandler, some other guys, uh, some other comedy guys were considered for the role, one of whom I think would be kind of good and one of whom I don't, I don't think as much. Jonah Hill and Sasha Baron Cohen were both considered to play Howard. I, could, I think I could see Jonah Hill doing this. I don't know if I could see Sasha Baron Cohen doing this. What do you think? Ah, that's... I could see... Well, when I think of this role, I think of it almost identical in a way to him in The Wolf of Wall Street. Because he's got the fake yeah. teeth and everything. Exactly. He's got the glasses. He's, he's and done he's things like, similar. He's all dripped he's like, out with like all the all the really expensive clothes and stuff. Yeah, and he's always just like he's kind of sleazy. Like, Jordan. He's like, hey, you know, or he's yeah. like, he'll be like, Yes, the 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 sides did they did cure cancer. And then like yeah. shit like yeah, stuff like that. And Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, he's he's a chameleon actor, you know, he changes roles like this and that. So it's hard to say, say he does kind of look like Adam Sandler. They're both all three of them but, are Jewish actors. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't but, know. I think I think I would choose Jonah Hill first, though. I could see Jonah Hill. He's a classy guy, Jonah Hill. He's like the he's he's the Adidas sponsored guy now. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, I could see it. I, I would definitely probably like it more if it was Jonah Hill or Sasha Baron Cohen. I bet you I would. I do kind of have a prejudice against Adam Sandler, so. Yeah, I guess it, it takes out of the uh, immersion a little when you see, like, the dude that played Jack and Jill, like, getting <laughs> shot in the face. Yeah, that was a really good performance in Jack and Jill, though. But I don't know what you're talking about, so. <laughs> yeah, also, <laughs> um, his mistress, uh, Julia's name, was changed last minute. Because it was originally the name of one of one of Adam Sandler's daughters, ah. and he didn't want to be, you know, talking about how he wants to fuck someone with the same name as his daughter. They didn't say he has two daughters, Sonny and Sadie. Uh, in the thing I saw, it wasn't specified which name it was. It just said she had the same name as one of the daughters. Ah, so I mean, I guess they dodged a bullet there, changing that. In and then the, yeah, like yeah. we said before, Nick 
Nikas was originally planned to be in this movie. I don't know if it was just the name or if the whole character, you know, like like mentally handicapped was yeah. supposed to be implemented into this movie too. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. Um, yeah, and my last one I have. So cinema- cinematographer Darius Khan, uh, I might be pronounced, mispronouncing this, Kanji, I think it is, shot this on 35 millimeter film. And that same cinematographer is actually the cinematographer for many, many great films. So he did um, Seven, uh, Midnight in Paris. Have you seen Seven before? I've seen Seven. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's yeah. crazy. That is a crazy yeah, I love film. Seven. Yeah. Woods of the Box. Classic yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I was very surprised to see that, but... Yeah, um, that sums it up for the two films, I think. Anything else yeah. to add? Well, I guess I would ask uh, which one you like better, but uh, I think I know the answer to that. Obviously, yeah, Good Time. Good Time, I think, is a uh, better film in my mind. It, it feels more simple. It's easier to follow, I think. And also the performances are better in Good Time. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a likable film, too. I love the score in Good Time. It is great. It completely immerses you into that film. And the cinematography in Good Time is a lot better, too. I think it's just, yeah. But how about you? What do you like better? Um, I don't know. Well, I, actually I, don't know. I really like both these movies um, almost, almost equally. There's one that comes out on top. Originally, because I've watched them both a little while ago, um, I probably would have said Uncut Gems, but after watching them again and uh, being a little more critical for the movie review podcast, I think I, my uh, my answer has changed to to Good Time. That's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, but they're still very close. I like I like both of them. I see. Yeah. All right. Last segment of the night. Top three things. So, guys, listeners, we will be discussing top three worst adam sandler films of all time all right <laughs> you want to go first nathan daxon sure i have seen i think almost every single adam sandler movie maybe all the netflix missed... ones like ridiculous yep. six and yeah i've seen the mystery do over yeah right. oh i've seen them i've seen it all nice and so as as the diehard adam sandler fan these are some of my least favorite movies number one that's my boy with Andy Samberg. I, I can't stand that movie. It like goes on. I don't know actually how long it is, but it feels like it's three fucking hours long. It just doesn't end and it's just not funny. Uh, it just it just drags out and I, I don't like it. Yeah. Do you not like Andy Samberg? I, I actually do really like Andy Samberg, uh, but I don't like that movie. This movie's almost two hours long. So most okay, comedies. Well, it feels like it's five hours long. It's horrible. Yeah. Then I'd have to say the do-over, which I think is the worst Netflix one. I don't even really remember it. It's like uh, Adam Sandler and David Spade, and they're like they're like secret agents or something. I don't know. It's just shit. I remember not enjoying myself watching it at all. Yeah. Again, it feels like it's way too long. Nothing really happens. It's not that funny. And then number three, I'm gonna have to say Hubie Halloween, which is also a new Netflix yeah. one. Adam Sandler does this really annoying voice the whole time it's yeah. not that entertaining i guess it's more for younger audiences but you um there's a huge fun, cast in that though yeah fun fact after uncut gems was released and received 
you know, really uh, a lot of appraise from, from critics and everything, Adam Sandler jokingly tweeted out, if Uncut Gems doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm making a shit movie. And then it didn't get nominated for an Oscar, and Hubie Halloween was the next Adam Sandler movie to come out. <laughs> so I don't know it if that's was... coincidence or not. Yeah, and then Halloween I have, I have a couple honorable mentions here. All right. I have Little Nicky. I don't know if you've seen that. Adam Sandler plays yep. the son of Satan yeah, and goes to New York. Him. I thought it was really funny when I was 11 years old. <laughs> then I, I, I watched it again a couple of years ago and realized it's actually not that funny. Again, Adam Sandler does like kind of an annoying voice for that movie. Hey, um, my, my name's other... Adam. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then my other honorable mention is uh, Chuck and Larry. Have you seen that? Yeah. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I don't know if you've watched it recently, but it has not aged it, well. It is. Is it pretty offensive? Like, it's, is it? I think it would be consider. I don't think you could release it today, even yeah. though at the end, the mess. If you don't know, it's about Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Yeah, no, I, I've seen, but yeah, yeah. For people watching, oh yeah, pretended because I bet a lot of people haven't seen that movie. It's kind of a random one. Yeah. Um, they pretend to be like gay lovers, and they get they get married to like basically reap the benefits of being. A gay couple and in the end i i guess the message is you know don't be homophobic or whatever but still yeah. i uh there's some some jokes and stuff in there and even just the whole premise of the movie is uh kind of yeah. treading on i can see that thin i ice. can totally see that there's yeah. So, yeah those are my those are my top three worst sound sound movies I'd, all right i'd like to hear if yours are similar or not because <laughs> There can be arguments for almost all Adam Sandler movies that they're not very good. The thing is about Adam Sandler movies, no matter, they are so stupid, and so a lot of them are, and a lot of them are really annoying, and he's got an annoying voice, and he's just unlikable, but they still are funny to joke about and yeah. laugh. And the, not they're, like, so with. bad, they're they're good. But yeah, exactly. You can, they're almost cult, like, cult classics. Yeah, but then but, there's some that surpass the barrier being so bad they're good that they're just bad. Yeah. Like, and these three films kind of feel that way. So, top three things worst out of Sailor movies. Number three is Hubie Halloween. So, okay. Hubie Halloween, okay. I did not like it all. They had a huge cast for that film, and it is still so stupid and such a lazy plot. Like, Adam honestly, I went, think it would have been better if he just didn't do the voice. I think that would have taken it up at least one or two notches. When I heard least. the voice, I was just like, oh, why is he doing this? Yeah. And it's just not funny at all. It, it, there's not too many yeah you're just laughing at too and uh and he got like the he got like the entire cast of like jesse to be in it too again <laughs> yeah so it's just cringe and yeah cameron boyce was supposed to be in it but yeah he died, so to a legend but um uh and then yeah that was that was a terrible one uh number two is jack and jill jack and no, jill it's hard to of, say that's one of my it's... sneaky little my sneaky little favorite ones that's a, that's a so bad it's good one for me at least <laughs> it's like oh shaboo or it's yeah, like it's just like where were you <laughs> that's I'll, I'll laugh at that but it's like it's also pretty offensive too there's like when they're talking about like the uh the mech like these mexican uh uh gardener or whatever landscaper like there's <laughs> yeah. so many like racist like remarks in that and like yeah. in the scene it's you have to watch it again and you'll notice it's just like yeah there's some like pretty bad microaggressions if... in there but yeah. like i don't know if you remember the trailers for that movie uh, i don't remember what came out but it was like 
<laughs> it was almost like the template for like comedy movie trailer and it was yeah. like this like goofy music playing and like the announcer dude comes in and he's like he's like adam sandler is jack and jill and then it like <laughs> starts showing like the funny scenes from the movie <laughs> oh my god and it, it's like yeah jill is like it, it, i mean like i'm if i see because he was on snl and whenever i see like him like dress up as a girl and that all i think of is just like jill from jack and jill and it's it's terrifying and he does play it's like why did he decide to do that like what he what wrote dude? it he probably wrote it too right like he writes almost he all writes of a lot of them he writes it was like under his um like his happy madison happy madison productions i'll have to look that up jack but yeah i don't know for me that's one like i know it's bad but like i like it even though it's bad <laughs> and that was like yeah i think that kind of Oh, it's hard to say. Like, he still, even though that, like, that year, he still had some good films, though. Like, uh, he like had more just that go with year. it. Just go with it. Yeah, just go with it. It was 2011. Um, what else? But, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he wrote it. <laughs> yeah, uh, course, and Den Dennis Dugan uh, always does a lot of his, uh, uh, directs a lot of his movies, too. Yeah. Um, and number one is... This might get you annoyed too. It was Grown Ups Two? Ah, yeah, uh, I like I like that one too. He should, he, it's basically just Adam Sandler hanging out with his friends. It is. It's I like it though. <laughs> I like to hang out with my friends so there, I can relate. Yeah, there's nothing, but there's nothing. The plot is so lazy too. Whereas the first one, it's like yeah, well, nothing oh, they're, happens. They're, they're, it's literally just like, like a day in the life. It is like a day in the life. They're just like. Let's have, a, let's have a party like they plan a party, have a party at, at adam's house yeah <laughs> they plan a party at dinner time and somehow everybody knows about it even though adam yeah the Sam day of they, the they day plan of. this party in like the middle of the day yeah they're just, and, no they're at the dinner table and adam sandler's just like oh let's have let's have a party i'm thinking uh 80s theme and then everyone's the like town shows the up. whole town yeah the whole town shows up somehow and there's it's that like, thing that whole thing with like them like being like the old dudes versus like the frat guys <laughs> that like live in, that live in the town adam sandler also always makes himself like the coolest guy in the world yeah. even though he's not and get with like the hottest actresses of like of that decade like selma yeah. hayek and jennifer aniston jennifer. Drew Barrymore. yeah like yeah. it's crazy and i know also i noticed in just go with it he added fake a fake six pack, like a CGI six pack. Oh, himself. really? Yeah, he definitely did. Because <laughs> he has a dad bod. Yeah, and like it wouldn't make sense for him to be able to give it like Brooklyn Decker, a model, and also Jennifer Aniston in just yeah, go with it. He, they're like fighting over him in that I, movie, basically. <laughs> Why would you fight over Adam Sandler? Like, <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he's so man, charming and funny. He, he is so charming, but like, you think like girls like it when like he goes like, like that. <laughs> Uh, um but yeah that's it for the adam sandler top three thing top three things are are dishonorable what's, what's your top one adam sandler movie top adam sandler movie it's gotta be oh either happy gilmore or funny people i don't like funny people that much because i think it's kind of it's weird pacing it's like it, i don't kind of depressing yeah and so but probably, mine is Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Happy Gilmore. It's his. Best. I also really like Uncut Gems too, though. So, yeah. so it's, it'd be those would be my, I guess my top two. Yeah, 
Also, maybe maybe there's another one. I like just go with it. That's a that's a good easy one to watch. Big Daddy is good too. Big yeah, oh yeah, Big Daddy's good. I like with Zach and Cody playing the little kid. Yeah, and who else is in it? There's a, there's a few. He's classic. He's it's classic like Adam people. Sandler's like friends. Like the the usuals are in that movie. Yeah, the ones that you don't even know their names. There's the one guy with like the big nose, like and and you yeah. know the gay couple in it. And then there's one yeah. guy with the weird eye that like he's always like, hey, da, 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 da. like yeah, he's super tall. <laughs> yeah. He's like in everyone, but you have no idea who his name is or anything. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he, and he, he's like the same character in every role too. He has a weird eye, lazy. He's eye. a lazy eye, and he's like. He's like always like intimidating or so, or, or yeah. Um, he's like, eh, <laughs> but yeah, all right, that sums it up for this episode, I think. What, wait, what's your favorite Adam Sandler movies? Oh yeah, I said Happy Gilmore. Happy, yeah. Happy Gilmore yeah. and yeah. Uncut Gems, I yeah. guess. All right, that finishes it off for this episode of Good Time and Uncut Gems podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to check check me out on uh, Instagram and TikTok. I'm there at the same name of There Will Be Movie Reviews. Um, also, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Deezer. So you can listen to me and all those places, all those platforms. Um, and my email is therewillbemoviereviews at gmail.com. Email me for a recommendation on an episode you want and, and a tip if, if you want to, too, anything. But, uh, yeah, make sure to leave a five-star review and make sure to um, subscribe on YouTube also. But that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, Nathan Dax, and for coming on this fun. episode. This was fun. I had a good time discussing this film. These uh, two films. You had a what? I had a good time discussing these. A what? <laughs> a Good time discussing these films. Like the movie. Yo, I know. That was that was good. I had a good time. I had a good uncut. No, that doesn't work. But, Don't do uh, it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Nathan. It was a pleasure and a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Thank you guys. See you guys next week.